Exodus chapter 6. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 6, uh, from the beginning, verse 1, all the way to chapter 7, verse 5. Okay, it's a long chapter, um, but I, I can read, all right? And you can follow along. Please follow along. If um, I, can, I can tell you, if you do not follow along, and if you don't read it with me, and uh, if you don't understand a little bit of what's talked about here, you're going to be lost, okay, during the message. I tried, that's why I needed PowerPoint to really help out, right? Uh, but still, even with the PowerPoint, I would need you to, uh, you know, pay attention to the, um, you know, the text as well, okay? So let's read. Um, Exodus chapter 6, and I'll read in English Standard Version, right? Um, whatever version you have, let's follow along, okay? It says, but the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh with a strong hand. He will send them out and with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Uh, key okay so i'm going to talk about this it says my name the lord i did not make myself known to them verse four i i also established my covenant with them to give them the land of canaan the land in which they lived as sojourners moreover i heard the groaning of the people of, of israel from the egyptians hold as slaves and have remembered my covenant say therefore to the people of israel I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you and with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. Po Moses, uh, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his, his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am uncircumcised of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. All right, so here's a genealogy. I'll try to make all the right pronunciations, okay? These are the heads of their father's house, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, uh, Jemuel, uh, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shal, the son of Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari, the name of the life of uh, Levi being 137 years. The sons of Gershon, Libri, and Shimin, 
Shemai by their clans, the sons of Kohath, Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel. The, the uh, years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. The sons of Miriat, uh, Merari, Merari uh, Mali, and Mushi, these are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amran took as his wife, mm -hmm. Jacobed, the uh, father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. The years of the life of Amram being 137 years. The sons of Izar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri, Zikri. the son of Uzio, uh, Mishael, Alzaphan, and Zithri. Aaron took as his wife, Elisheba, the daughter of Aninabad, and, uh, and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, uh, Eli, and Ithamar, the sons of uh, Korah, Asher, 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 Elkanah, and Abisaph. These are the clans of the Korahites. Eliezer, son, uh, sons of uh, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him um, Phinehas. These are the heads of the father's house of the Levites by their clans. Whew. Many, many wrong pronunciations, I'm sure, but it's really important. I can tell you why later on. Okay, why did I stumble through it, but still wanted to read it through? These are the Aaron's and Mo these are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, "Bring out the people of Israel from the from the land of Egypt by their hosts." It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. On this day, when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell, Jeho uh, tell a Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to, to me? Exit, uh, chapter seven, verse one. And the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will burden, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. All right. Hopefully you follow along and um, <clears throat> hopefully the, uh, the PowerPoint is good to go. But um, let's, uh, let's pray. Okay, let's pray before the main message starts. Lord, we thank you again for giving us this time we know that no time that we gather together nothing in our lives happen um, as coincidences lord we truly pray and offer up this time to you and we pray that you may speak to us we pray that um, with your great wisdom and your grace and mercy that you may work 
that your spirit may work in each one of us, in every one of our hearts, Lord, including the speaker, Lord, that for us to see <clears throat> what a wonderful Lord you are. Uh, a lot of times we know you're wonderful, but we don't know how you are wonderful. We don't know why you are wonderful. And Lord, I pray that through these words, that through this passage, Lord, that you may work within our own hearts and to understand you more, to know you more, and to appreciate you more. Lord, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> okay. So is the PowerPoint good to go? Or no? Uh, Sam, could you share that PowerPoint? Yep, just give me a second to share the screen. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Great, thank you. So <clears throat> this is bilingual, okay? Because I know that there's some attendees that you know that are adults, and you may feel more comfortable to uh, to reading Chinese. Um, but so this is um, so the topic of today, right? The title of today's top uh, of today's message is "Hello, I am Jehovah." Right? You the, the with the text that I read, there's no Jehovah, right? Um, with the version in English Standard Version, but I can tell you um, whenever you see "I am the Lord," okay. So whenever you see "I am the Lord," for example. Um, verse two, right? God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. Okay. I am the Lord. When, when um, in some versions that's actually translated and it's more accurate, that it says, I am Jehovah. All right. And as you can see, this repeated so many different times in this passage. Okay. Hello, I am Jehovah. Okay. Um, because a lot of times, why do I uh, mention, uh, why did I, uh, you know, label the title to give this title to the message is a lot of times um even though we're christians but it feels like we don't really know our father right? our father in heaven i mean do do i do if i ask you a really simple question do you know him how well do you know him what would you say all right what would you say if i am to ask you right can you describe your father not, not our Godfather in heaven, but your father in, in the world, right? By, in flesh, right? How, 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 how can you describe him? How would you describe him? All right. If I am to ask you, how well do you know your father? What would you say? How well do you know? Think about it, right? Think about it. How would you answer uh, these questions? Um, if you really think deeper, you will come to, most of us will come to a realization that we don't know our father that well, right? I mean, I have a really good relationship with my dad, okay? But do I really know him, right? Do I know, do I know his thought process? Do I know his history, his background? A lot of times I love talking to him about it because I love to discover more about him. And I, as I have three younger kids, right, little kids, 
I hope that one day they will come to know me a little bit more, more than just, you know, a, a person that loves them and, you know, that will give them food to eat and have fun with them and, and so on and so forth. I, I, I hope they, they will know how I work, right? Who I am, right? A little bit deeper, right? I remember once I was lying in the hospital, right? Well, I was lying in the hospital um, and I was already working at that time. I was in my late twenties. I was in the hospital. I was lying there. Um, and I remember uh, lying on the hospital bed and my, my dad really tried to cheer me up. Okay. And uh, so he told me about how he pursued uh, how he pursued girls, okay, when he was younger, uh, when he was in college, and uh, and that there's actually an Aboriginal uh, princess, okay, in Taiwan, right? There's an Aboriginal princess. Uh, if you don't know what Aboriginal, I Yuan Juming, right? Yuan Juming, uh, princess that pursued him, right? And uh, when he was at school, <laughs> and uh, it was at that hospital bed, I was on my bed, and he was trying to cheer me up, sitting next to me. And uh, we were laughing, laughing together. And um, that night I got to know him a lot more than I used to. He shared a lot of the old stories with me and um, it was quite interesting. Um, that was a great experience, right? And if we ask these questions, um, how well do we know our dad, our father, right, on, on earth? You know, most of us will find out we really don't know our father that well, right? Most of us. Of course, there are some exceptions. You may say, oh, no, I know my dad, you know, inside out. Uh, but most of us, we probably don't, right? We probably don't. Um, no matter how good of a relationship we have with him, as we grow, um, it seems like kids and parents, the distance grows further, isn't it? Right. The, the more the older as we grow, uh, as we gain to high school, as we gain to college, as we get a job, as we get our own family. Right. A lot of times we grow further and further away, even though in our hearts we want to, you know, as, as, especially after I have my own kids. You know, I appreciate my parents a lot more because now I'm a parent. Right. But uh, it, it seems like it's it, you know, it's inevitable that our, our, our relationship is pulled further and further away, right? So now let me ask you another question, just another question. Can you describe our Father God to me? Like, who is the Lord Jehovah? Who is our Heavenly Father? Okay, how about this? How well do you know our God? Okay. Some people think that our God is a gracious God. Some people think that our God is a righteous and a just God, right? Some people think that God is an angry God, right? Some people, especially if you read the Old Testament, right? Um, some people think God, you know, likes us to, and, uh, to, to, to care and to be diligent. And some people think God doesn't want us to take care too many things you know he wants us to relax don't worry i got it right i got it put your faith in me to be spiritual right quote unquote right so how well do you know our god and um so um can, can you go to the next slide all right so 
do you, I don't know if you know this off this picture. Uh, on top, this is in the White House, okay? This is in the White House. And uh, on top is JFK, right? Uh, John F. Kennedy Jr., right? And, uh, and oh, JFK. And then you see a little kid right underneath the White House desk, right? The absolute desk, right? It says uh, uh, that's, that's John F. Kennedy Jr., right? That's John F. Kennedy Jr. So at the time, right, when people come into JFK's office, at the time, this was in the White House, right? And JFK, they know JFK as the most powerful man in the world, right? It's the president, he's the president of the US. Most people entering to the Oval Office, they come with the respect, right? They come with the respect and, and fear, right? And they come with carefully crafted words, right? Carefully, you, you don't just come into the Oval Office and talk to the president, right? When you come to the president, you need to really, you know, recite and practice what you're going to say and be very careful about your wording, right? All the time, right? When you come in, um, they come into fear and it's, you know, information is reviewed over and over again. But this little kid, right? This little kid, John F. Kennedy Jr., JFK Jr., JFK is his dad, right? So he comes in and he will crawl under the absolute desk, right? And um, uh, the resolute desk, sorry, not the absolute desk, the resolute desk, right? When, while his dad is working, as you can see, right? And he, so what does this tell you? This tell you that he, JFK Jr. has a different relationship, right? To everyone else, his dad is the president, is the most powerful person in the world, in the free world, right? And, but, but to JFK Jr., who is he? He's his dad. His dad. This is, you know, his father, right? JFK Jr. has another layer of relationship with JFK, right? And this is not, not anyone can have this, right? So, so bringing this point to, to apply here, um, do you truly know our God, our heavenly father? Right. Our heavenly father did not just save us so that we can have a so-so relationship with him. Our heavenly father saved us for us to have a special relationship with him. This God of creation, this God of the universe, he saved us not so that we can go to, quote unquote, go to heaven. Right. He saved us so we can have a special relationship with him that nobody else can have unless you belong to him, right? So, you know, we can see from the Israelites, if we go back to the text, we can see that Israelites, that their understanding of God is still very shallow at that time, okay? After 400 years in the foreign land. So today, the, the passage that we read, right? Just a little bit of context, right? This is in chapter six. So what happened before, right? Basically, Israel, Israelites has gone into the land of Egypt for about 400 years, okay? There's some people say more, there's some people say less. It's okay, 
It's about 400 years, okay? We just give and take. So they've lived 400 years in Egypt, in this foreign land. And God to them, to the Israelites, has become a distant shadow in their memories, okay? God to them. So imagine in, you know, in our lives, what do we know about something that happened 400 years ago? Ask yourself. 400 years ago in, in China was the Qing dynasty, right? The Qing dynasty. How much do you know or the Ming, the end of the Ming dynasty? How much do you know about the Ming or the Qing dynasty? Probably not that much. 400 years ago, the United States still did not exist, okay? We're still colonies right here, okay? So, so this is God to them is a long past is it's is years gone all right so they did yeah by by chapter six they did start to worship god okay moses already told the israelites because they're under heavy slavery moses already started to organize the israelites and moses actually went into to see the pharaoh but the pharaoh got really mad right so basically the pharaoh told the israelites right to 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 ask the israelites that ordered the israelites to work harder right to work even harder and this is why in chapter five basically moses you know chapter three was burning bush right so after the burning bush God told Moses, go talk to Pharaoh, right? And go talk to Pharaoh along with, you know, uh, and go talk to Pharaoh. And afterwards, what happened? Pharaoh made the Israelites work harder. And basically in chapter five, what happened? Chapter five, you know, um, the Israelites were complaining to Moses and Moses in turn went to, came, came to, to talk to uh, Jehovah and said, God, why did you tell me? Why did you ask me to do these things? You have done evil to me, right? Or evil to these people. Why? You haven't saved them. You told I did what you told me to do. But see, this is why what happened. They're even going to be enslaved even more. And that's at the end of chapter five. And this is where we came to chapter six, where God told them everything that he is going to do. Okay. That in the face in the, in the face, it, see, in chapter four, when the Israelites said they will believe in God, right? Okay, in chapter four, when Moses told the Israelites, hey, gather up, hey, follow me, God wants to save you. The Israelites said, yes, we believe. Yes, we believe. But in chapter five, in a blink of an eye, after the, the Pharaoh started to persecute them even more. Guess what? They immediately turned. They immediately turned. So God to them, their knowledge about God is very shallow, right? Is there's, they don't know God that much. They were excited about this God they, they once had. They were excited about this God that they heard about in stories. Yes, we're going to exit Egypt. We're going to, you know, take, go out of the land of slavery. Okay. But then immediately after Pharaoh said, no, you will not. And you will work harder. Right. And then the Israelites turned. And then when the Israelites turned, Moses turned. <laughs> Moses turned to God and said, oh, God, why have you done this? Right. So see. And Moses went to Pharaoh. And, 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 
and the Israelites went to Aaron and Moses. If you go read chapter five, it's really interesting that other than Moses, nobody turned to God to ask for solution. Moses even went, they went to the, uh, the Israelites actually went to the Pharaoh to say, to beg the Pharaoh, right? The Israelites actually went to Moses and Aaron to beg Moses and Aaron, but the Israelites never turned to God, right? It's interesting. They think that men can solve their troubles, right? And then go to, can you go to the next slide, please? So after Moses came and prayed to God in chapter five, in chapter six, we see how God responded to him, right? And what catches our attention is that in this passage, God mentioned multiple times, I am the Lord, or in the actual text, text is I am Jehovah. Moses wants God to do something, right? Moses said, God, do something, okay? What are you doing? It's, but it seems that our God is in no hurry to do the things that he planned to do. God said he will save, he will take the Israelites out of Egypt, okay, out of Egypt. But it, it seems that God is in no hurry to actually do it. God spent this entire passage that we read today to explain to Moses what he plans to do. You know, God is more interested in making men know that he is the Lord Jehovah. God didn't just say, all right, snap of a finger, you guys are out of Egypt now. No, no, no. He is more interested to introduce him a little bit more to men, to Moses specifically in this text, right? God is more interested to, for men to understand who he is, what he will do, and how he will do it. It's interesting. Before he, he does all these things, he is telling them he's telling Moses how he will do it what he will do and so on and so forth and, and so when Moses come and ask look at this God what is going on look at this what why is this happening the Israelites are being persecuted right Moses is the 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 question he's asking question of what the how the why but here the entire text that we read today God is more interested to explain to him, to explain to Moses the who, who he is. It's pretty interesting when you take a look at it, right? So let me explain a little bit of background. I know I explained it a little bit, but let me just bring you a complete background. In Exodus chapter one and two, right? Chapter one and two, it describes how the Israelites came it became so strong, right? The Israelites in Egypt became strong and multiplied, but then was greatly persecuted, right? And then Moses was born, okay? Moses was born, he grew up, but then he had to flee uh, Egypt to Midian, right? And then in chapter three, in the burning bush, very famous passage, right? Burning bush, God called Moses to return to Egypt and told Moses his promises, right? His promises. So chapter three is the first time that God told and explained to Moses all of his promises to Moses and the Israelites. We'll come back to that. Remember that, right? And then chapter four, God gave Moses three powerful signs, right? The throwing of the snake, so on and so forth, the, 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 the rod, right? The staff, 
onto the ground and became a snake. So, so God showed Moses three powerful signs, right? And then finally, Moses returned back to Egypt and spoke to the Israelites, and the Israelites bowed and worshiped God in the end. Wow, they said they believed, right? As I mentioned before, glorious. Wow, all of Egypt, you know, the Israelites bowed and worshiped God in the end. But in chapter five, took a really wild turn, right? Pharaoh handed down an even more harsh persecution, asked the Israelites to make bricks without straws, right? Because at that time you need straws, you know, put it with mortar and uh, become bricks, right? The Israelites then complained to the Pharaoh and the Israelites complained to Moses, as I said, right? And then Moses came to complain to God, <laughs> right? So in this passage, we see that God is proclaiming that he is the Lord Jehovah in so many different occasions, but I've described, I've divided it into three occasions. Let's go to the next slide. Three occasions. Please pay close attention to these three uh, sections, okay? First, God wants Moses to know that he is Jehovah. Second one is God wants the Israelites to know that he is Jehovah. And the third is God wants the Egyptians to know that he is Jehovah. If you follow along, right? So uh, chapter six, verses one through five, chapter six, verses one through five is God wants Moses to know he is Jehovah. Chapter six, verses six through eight is God reminding the Israelites that he is Jehovah, okay? And then comes the genealogy, which I will talk about separately. And then the third is chapter seven, verses one through five. God makes the Pharaoh know that he is Jehovah, okay? So let's go to uh, verse one through five. Next slide, please. Okay, God wants Moses to know. Nope, not yet. God wants Moses to know that he is Jehovah. So we see in the midst of the Israelites' complaints, Moses' confusion and the desperate times, right? God wants to remind Moses that he is Jehovah. And God said here, interesting, God said, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they knew me as God Almighty or God El Shaddai. Okay, I, I know there's a song called El Shaddai, right? God Almighty is God, is El Shaddai. El Shaddai means almighty, right? Powerful, the all-powerful one. They knew me as God Almighty, El Shaddai, but they did not know me in the name Jehovah. They did not know me in the name Jehovah. If you read the text, I basically translated it to all old uh, the, the original text, right? It says that they knew me, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, which are all ancestors of, um, of, uh, of the Israelites, right? God is here saying they knew me as Al Shaddai. They knew me as the Almighty One, okay? But they did not know me in the name Jehovah. They did not know me in the name Jehovah. Now you say, wait, wait a minute. God must be confused, okay? He must be mistaken. In Genesis 18, you don't need to turn with me, okay? But just 
I'll explain. So in Genesis 18, in the book of Genesis 18, God visited Abraham, right? Under the name Jehovah, right? He said, he introduced to, to Abraham, I am Jehovah. In Genesis 26, God appeared to Isaac under the name Jehovah, all right? In Genesis 27, Jacob described the Lord using the name Jehovah, okay? So apparently, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all knew the Lord's name is the Lord Jehovah. The Israelites know of Jehovah, right? Abraham knew of Jehovah. Jacob knew you know, as a matter of fact, Moses' mother, right, Jacobed, right, the name Jacobed actually, Jacobed actually means the glory of Jehovah. So Moses' father, mother, her own name is the glory of Jehovah. But it's interesting that here God is saying that they did not know me, the name Jehovah. Interesting, right? So what is God saying here? What is God saying here? And this is uh, verse, verse three, right? They knew the name Jehovah, but they only knew one part, one meaning, one essence of what Jehovah means, right? Jehovah is God. Jehovah is the Lord. Who Jehovah is, they knew Jehovah as the almighty one. El Shaddai. They knew that God is very powerful. They knew that God can help them in many aspects of their lives, right? They knew that God is the one that blesses, that gives them blessings, right? But they did not know the other aspects of God. They didn't know everything about God. They know one part, okay, which is El Shaddai of Jehovah. All right. They knew that God is, is powerful, but that's only one part. It's like you only know a certain side of your father, of the, of the other person, right? It's, you know, but so now God says, hey, Moses, I am Jehovah. They didn't really truly know who I am, but now I'm going to show you and the Israelites who I am. Okay, you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. And not only that, in verse one through five, you can see, not only that, I still remember the covenant I've set with the Israelites before. I still remember the covenant. I haven't forgot. I, I will bring them out of Egypt and I will bring them into the land of Canaan, right? God repeats again here what he has said before that he will bring the Israelites into the promised land. As a matter of fact, what is said here in chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, is not anything new. If you go read chapter 3, by the way, this is why I was thinking, you know, I should make you guys all read <laughs> prior to, you know, because if you have a better understanding of chapter 1 through 7, it will make this message so much clearer. But hopefully I'm making it, doing a good job making you know, it clear to you, right? What's said here in chapter six, verses one through five, is actually a repeat of what's said to Moses in chapter three. When God, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, when God said, I am the great 
I am. I am who I am. I am Jehovah. I've established a covenant with you and the Israelites back in chapter three, when I appear to you in the burning bush. I still remember them and I will accomplish them. I am repeating what I said in chapter three. I'm repeating it here in chapter six. And I will continue to do them. Okay. Nothing happening here is by chance. Yes, you're being persecuted. Yes, things have gotten harder. But trust me and believe me, I am the Lord Jehovah and I still remember. Please remember this, okay? This is something, this is the first thing I want to talk to you about. That God wants Moses to know that he is Jehovah and he is a Jehovah. He is the Lord Jehovah that remembers that he does not forget what he has promised. So brothers and sisters, when you and I are going through troubles in our lives, and trust me, if you're younger, if you haven't gone through troubles, okay, bigger troubles will come in your life, guaranteed. If you have already gone through troubles and you've blessed by God to remain as a child of God, right, to continue to follow him, good for you. But troubles will continue to come in your life. I'm sorry to tell you. As you go through troubles and bigger and bigger troubles, remember, please, remember, our God does not forget that he has promised you that he will be with you and nothing happens as a coincidence, that everything happens for a reason, right? That he remembers all of the promises that he has told you in the Bible, okay? And, 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 and this is something that God wants Moses to know. Verses one, uh, six to eight, can we go to the next slide? Next point, six eight to eight. God wanted Moses to tell the Israelites the following verses, okay? And I've listened up. God wanted Israelites to know who God is as well. So, and, and so God wants Moses to know who he is. And now here's verse six to eight. God wants the Israelites to know that he is Jehovah. And let's take a look. He is Jehovah. Um, let's dig a little bit deeper into what Jehovah means. Okay. Um, so let's go to the next, uh, next slide. So verse six and verse eight, here's a structure, very interesting. Verse six and verse eight in this passage, in this six to eight, it begins with the, uh, with the, with the word, I am the Lord, Jehovah. And it ends with the word, I am the Lord, Jehovah. Okay. And then next. Verse six says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. All right, next. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Next. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. Next. I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a heritage. All right. So what is this saying? Brothers and sisters, if you, if you read the red text, 
What is this saying? This is actually displaying the complete salvation, isn't it? Complete salvation. Think about it. God will take the Israelites from the burden and bondage of the Egyptians. And this represents that he will take the Israelites out from the world, right? Out from the sins. Because Egyptians, Egypt in the Bible, it represents sin. It represents the world. Right? It re represents bondage that's grasping us. So first it says this, you know, in verse six, the first portion of verse six talks about saving them from sins, right? So how does he do that? The latter portion of verse six, he redeems. It's not that the Israelites need, need to pay ransom. It's not the Israelites need to do any favor towards God. Everything that needs to be paid for, everything that needs to be prepared for and done for, the Passover lamb was prepared for them. The plagues will strike down all cows and sheep. But guess what? The livestock of Israelites are going to be spared. Okay, if you go read it later on and so on and so forth. And this is how they can, you know, offer up to, to, to God and sacrifice during the Passover and so on and so forth. God has prepared everything. God prepares. If, if you read later on the 10 plagues, you will, you will interestingly discover that during the 10 plagues, a lot of the things happen. And not only the Egyptians, um, the plagues did not only come to the Egyptians, right? It all also came to the Israelites. They also shouldered the plague as well. But there are a couple of plagues that basically miraculously only happened to the Egyptians, but not the Israelites. And one of the play, one of the thing was that when the livestock, right, the cows, the sheep, the, the whatever, happened, all died, okay, on the Egyptian people. But the livestock of the Israelites were actually spared. I don't know if you ever paid attention to that. Really interesting. The livestock of the Israelites are spared. Why were they spared? It's because right after the templates, you will find out the Israelites will, will, will uh, celebrate Passover, right? And when they celebrate Passover, guess what? They have to offer up a lamb, right? If all the livestock of the Israelites are also, you know, because of the plague also die, along with the Egyptians' livestock, where are they going to get the lamb? <laughs> Interesting, right? God actually prepared everything. God wants them to, to, to offer up Passover to, to him. But God also prepared the lamb, the livestock for them to offer up the Passover. Okay. God actually is the God that redeems. All right. That redeems. So he saves us from sins. And how does he save it? He will redeem us. Okay. And that's what God said. And later on, he says, I will take you as my people. Right. I will be your God. What does this say? This means he will establish a relationship with his people. He will re establish relationship with us, right? And then lastly, God will richly, uh, will richly, richly, what word is that? Will richly bless him, okay? Bless them, right? And God will bless them. 
I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. And here's a blessing. You see this? He saves us from sins. He redeems us. He will establish a relationship with us. And he will bless us. This is the complete salvation, brothers and sisters. I don't know. Whenever I see this, I get excited, right? This is truly wonderful. A lot of times when you read the Old Testament, you know, it's like, oh, our God is such a strict and judge, judgmental God, right? He's temperamental, right? He kills people, right? But I can tell you, if you read the text of the Old Testament clearly, oh my, you can see the goodness of God. You can see his salvation, and what a wonderful God and Jehovah he is, right? He is the Lord Jehovah that will do all of these things. He's not just a Jehovah that gets mad. He is the Lord Jehovah that will give us the complete salvation. A lot of times when we believe in God, we think that salvation stops at what? Saving us from sins, and he has redeemed us. But we, have, we don't know that. God actually wants to establish a relationship with us. That's why it's so important, brothers and sisters. You are not only coming to church because your parents come to church. You are not, you shouldn't come to church just because your friends come to church. You come to church. I hope, I wish that you come to church because you have a, you have a direct relationship with our God that you have a personal relationship with our God. And this is also to the older, you know, generation, the adults here, whoever you are, you come to church because you have a relationship with God. And not only come to church, but you live your life as if you're going to church every single day, that you have a personal relationship with God, because that's part of the complete salvation. That's part of the complete salvation. And then verse 7 through, uh, in chapter 7, let's go to the next part. Chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. God wants Egyptians to know that he is the Lord Jehovah, right? God wants not only the Israelites to know. God doesn't only want the Moses to know. God wants to make the, 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 uh, the Pharaoh, God wants the Egyptians to know that he is Jehovah. God describes here in verses 1 through 5 in chapter 7, what will happen next when Moses and Aaron goes to speak to the Pharaoh. God is actually foretelling what's going to happen next, right? God will harden Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh will not listen. And God will strike with the mighty hand. And Israelites will get out of Egypt. And the result is that the Egyptians will know he is Jehovah. Interesting, right? So let me explain a little bit, right? Some people will, you know, have questions. So what does hardening, you know, Pharaoh's heart mean, right? Some people actually say, well, God, you are the one that's hardening Pharaoh's heart. Sorry. Can you hear me? All right. You are the ones that's hardening Pharaoh's heart, right? So it's not the Pharaoh's fault, right? You're the one that made his heart hardened, not talk to you, right? Not listening to Moses. So why is it the Pharaoh's fault for not listening to, you know, Moses? Hear me out. The word hardening 
right? The word hardening is this. Um, the Pharaoh within his own heart is already, is already resisting God. Pharaoh does not believe in God. And Pharaoh does not want to believe in God, okay? All God is doing here is that God is strengthening or God is solidifying that unbelief. It's not like the Pharaoh is a soft-hearted and warm-hearted and God-following Pharaoh, all right? And that today God turned him, right? And God turned him and said, no, Pharaoh, you're not going to listen to me. I'm going to make you not listen to me. I'm going to make you so that you go from a soft heart to a hardened heart. No, it's not, okay? Hardening Pharaoh's heart means this. Pharaoh is already disobeying. Pharaoh is already not listening to God and not listening to, to Moses. So guess what? God will just let him continue that. God will just solidify and say, Pharaoh, you'll continue to do that. Okay? You'll continue to be that unbelieving Pharaoh. All right? And I'm going to show you, Pharaoh, and I'm going to show you, Egyptians, that I am God. I am the Lord Jehovah. And this is all in God's plans, right? The Israelites right now are under the Pharaoh that is, has a hardened heart. And men's hardened hearts may seem frightening to men, right? That to, to the Israelites, when the Pharaoh has a hardened heart, to the Israelites, they're frightening. How can we get out of this prosecution? The Pharaoh has made up his mind, right? But guess what? This is all in God's plan. It's okay. Even if the Pharaoh is not listening, I will continue to deliver. This is just like the world. The world is really ruthless to us. Sometimes we love the world, but the world is actually ruthless to us. The world wants to grab onto us forever. Hey, go to a good school. Study hard. Go to a good school. Go to a good school. Get a good job. Get a good job. Get a good family, you know, get a good, you know, get good, good family, good kids, good wife, right? Be praised by people, right? Get your glory in the world, right? Be famous, be good, all right? So on and so forth. Maybe your aspiration is not that high, all right? But the world says, be yourself, be yourself, be comfortable. How's that? How's that work so that you can live comfortably, right? Live for yourself, not for other people, not for anybody, not for God. Live for yourself. The world wants to, 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 to grab onto us forever, but God is here to let the world know that he is the Lord. Just like God is there to let the Pharaoh and Egyptians to know that he is the Lord Jehovah, that he will accomplish what he wants to do no matter what which is to save us out from this world, from sin, and enter into his blessings. Okay, what's even more? I will bring it to all a conclusion, okay? Just follow along with my thoughts right now. And then let's go to the next slide. God wants Moses to know that he is God, okay? That remembers, okay? So follow me, follow me, all right? Very important. God wants to know that the Lord Jehovah is the Lord Jehovah that remembers his covenant and will not fail, right? We talked about it. 
God wants the Israelites to know that He is the one that will deliver the complete salvation, right? He will deliver them from sin. He will redeem them. He will establish a relationship with them, and He will give them blessings, right? And then He wants the Egyptians to know that as the Lord Jehovah, that He is the Lord that He will overcome, that He will triumph over them, that He will succeed. He will be successful. Over them, that everything is under his control and nothing happens by chance, right? That he is the God that does not forget. He is the God that has the power to do everything he wants to do. He is the God that blesses. Okay, but what's the reaction from men when they heard this about God? Right? When they heard about this God, what is the reaction from men? All men. Doesn't matter if it's Egyptians or the Israelites. What's the reaction from men when they heard about this God? The pharaohs didn't listen, right? The pharaoh didn't listen, right? He didn't believe. What about the Israelites? The Israelites did not believe, right? God's own people didn't listen, right? They're too busy worrying about their own pain and their own sufferings, their own complaints, right? This is in chapter six. They have this complete salvation that's right in front of them. That God promised them, but they did not listen to God. The Pharaoh didn't listen. The Israelites didn't listen. Even Moses refused to listen to God. Right? You know, we 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 will say, "Oh, how foolish the Israelites! Look at the Israelites! How foolish!" Right? Don't they know that there's such a good blessing ahead of them? Don't they know that God really, really loves them? Don't they know that this is the Lord Jehovah, the Great I Am? They're just burying their their heads into the sand. They didn't even want to lift up their eyes, right, for one second to see God just a little bit. At the very moment of hardship, they turn, they complain. Look at them. Let's think about it just a little, little bit, right? Aren't we just like this sometimes? We are. I can tell you, we are worried about the difficulty that's right in front of our eyes a lot of times, right? My job, my school, right? My game, <laughs> my video games, right? My children, my family. But Bible study, Bible study. What do we see, right? Sometimes I I don't know I don't know uh, in your Bible study because uh, we have your know, children youth right Bible study not youth but in our Bible study we have youths right and uh, it seems to them that their phone is more important than what's right in front of them <laughs> right it's like the phone the the one in the phone that's far away right the 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 person that's taught chatting with them in the phone that's like three miles away is far more important than the person that's right in front of them, speaking to them, talking to them, right? You know, um, we're just like the Israelites. Sometimes there's something more precious right in front of us. But what we care about is something else, right? Um, the Israelites are worried about their livelihood right now. They worry about their hardworking, their persecution. They don't care about what God is promising to them. They don't really care. They care about what's right in front of them. Life is hard. And a lot of times in our lives, we're just like that, isn't it? 
they try to do something to improve their lives. We try to we try to solve our difficulties with our own hands, right? And we lose the opportunity to experience God and know Him a little bit more. When the Israelites face trouble, they want they went to the Pharaoh, thinking the Pharaoh can solve their problem. They went to Moses and Aaron, thinking Moses and Aaron can solve their problems. But no, God is the one that can solve their problems. I'm not. I, I'm not saying don't go to your parents, don't go to your youth, your you know church, your counselors, your elders, and you know talk to other people. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying don't do just that. All right, go to God. God will help you as well. God will use other people to help you. God will use words to help you. Sometimes He might. He may not even solve the problem for you. The way He helps you is for you to know Him more, so that even in the midst of great trouble and persecution and pain and sorrow and tears, that. Through knowing him more, you're actually going to get strengthened just a little bit more. Okay. And now we come to genealogy. Why did the Holy Spirit insert this section here? Let me ask you. Um, <clears throat> when you come to genealogies in the Bible, what do you do? Be, be, be honest. When you come to genealogies in the Bible, what do you do? You skip over them, right? <laughs> you skip over the section onto the next one. And as you can see, I, I can tell you that if you take out the genealogy section, okay, in this passage, the story will continue very well without the genealogy. Take out the genealogy and just read. Okay, you will find out the Bible. You will not even be able to tell that something is missing. The story above the genealogy and the passage, the passage above and the passage below, they go very well hand in hand. You can take out this genealogy with no issue. So the question we have to ask, why did God, why did the Holy Spirit insert this genealogy into the middle of all this? Right. So, so hear me out. So, so the Israelites are suffering. The Israelites are complaining to Pharaoh. The Israelites are complaining to Moses and Aaron. Aaron came to complain to God and God started telling Moses to say, this is who I am. Moses, you need to believe in me. And this is who I am. Israelites, you need to believe in me. And then boom, genealogy. <laughs> Why? You ask. Right? Why? You know, from Jacob on, if you take a look at this, uh, this chart, I don't know if you can see it well, right? Hopefully you can. Right on the top is Israel, right? Israel, which is Jacob, right? Israel is Jacob's other name, right? Israel. And then from Israel, you have uh, Reuben and Simeon and Levi, right? These are all of the names that I read. I uh, stumbled through. <laughs> before and when you construct a chart like this it shows you very clearly what you just read right what i just read 
right? Very clear. So from Israel, you have Reuben, you have Simeon, you have Levi. And each one of them had their offsprings, right? And then going from Levi, you can see the offspring, his, his offspring, spring, and, and then from Kohath, his offspring. And then from Co and then from all these these other uh, uh, offspring, right? And then later on, you know, you see all these different names, right? All these different names, all the way, all the way to um, to Moses, right? What does this mean? Think about this. It's as if God is watching the entire four hundred plus years. It's God is watching over the Israelites that God has not forgotten about the Israelites. Remember, it was from Israel, right? It's from Jacob, right? That they came. Remember Jacob, basically his uh, uh, son came to, uh, came, came to um, uh, uh, Egypt and then later on Israel, right? And all the brothers came, right? To, um, to, 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 to Egypt, sorry, my brain, I'm uh, having a brain freeze right now. And then have, you know, came to Egypt, right? So Israel basically at that time started the official dwelling of the Israelites in Egypt, right? So right from Israel, right from Jacob, 400 years ago, God has not forgotten about them, that God remembers all of these names. God has traced all of them right? God is drawing a picture from the very beginning when the Israelites came to Egypt, when Reuben, Simeon, Levi, from the sons of Jacob, all the way came to Aaron and came to Moses, okay? God is watching. God remembers. God recorded all this down 400 years he has not forgotten. God, God has all this planned out. Israelites, you may for, have forgotten about me. For the past 400 years, you've lived in this land of Egypt. But I have not forgotten about you. I've remembered you. I've traced you all along. And now I'm giving you Aaron. And I am giving you Moses, you see. Brothers and sisters, hopefully you can see this picture. Mankind, us, we can forget about God. But God is always watching. And God, to God, there is a plan that he has always prepared Moses and Aaron for the Israelites. And he will prepare the same thing for us. Our salvation, not only our future salvation, but in our lives that he has prepared something that's beyond our imagination, right, to us, for us, right? God is preparing this house to become the house of priests. If you ask the question, why is it that here in the genealogy that only the house of Levi, right, that's expanded? What about the house of Reuben? What about Simeon, right? What about those two? What happened? They discontinued, right? No, they didn't discontinue. It's just not recorded here. But here, God is recording the house of Levi. And if you notice a little bit, what happened to the house of Levi later on? They became priests. 
So what's even more is that the Lord Jehovah remembers and the Lord Jehovah here in chapter six through this genealogy is telling us, hey, Israelites, you will become the nation of priests to me. You will come out of Egypt and you will come to serve me and you will become my priest. Okay, you will become my priest. God has all this planned out. He is watching. He's planning. And what he is planned to do, he will absolutely do it. So, dear brothers and sisters, um, if you go back to the last slide. How well do you know our God, the Lord Jehovah? In today's passage, I've introduced so many aspects of the Lord Jehovah to you. He is saying, right? God keeps on saying, I am Jehovah. It's as if he's saying to you and I, I'm not only the powerful one, the Al Shaddai. It's not just like he is a God that has the power to solve our problems. What does Jehovah mean? It means that he will remember his promises. He will remember his promises that he made to the Israelites. He will remember the promises that he said to the bur in the burning bush to Moses. He has not forgotten. He is a God that has everything under his control. Nothing happens by chance. Everything is there for a reason. He is a God that will give us the complete salvation as the Lord Jehovah that he has prepared. He is the Lord Jehovah that prepared the full salvation for our sins, that he will establish a relationship with us and that will, he will bless us richly, not only in our current lives, but more richly in our future lives. And by the way, when I say rich, I don't mean getting wealthy. Okay. I mean, he will let us know more of him. That's what richness means. He is a God. Right. And last but not least, he is the God that says to the world, I am the Lord Jehovah. I will triumph over you, Egypt. I will triumph over you, Pharaoh. I will triumph over you, the world. I will overcome. I will allow my people to overcome along with me. I am the Lord Jehovah. You are not. And I will take care of my children. The soul world and sin you will not succeed. What kind of God is your God? What kind of God is your God? Do you know that he's a God that remembers? Do you know that he is a God that has everything in control? Do you know that it's, he's a God that watches? That he is a God that plans out? That he is a God that will do whatever he will do in his time? Maybe not in our time in his time do you know that he is a god that loves us so much that he prepared everything for the salvation we we don't need to do anything other than to say yes god thank you god all right do you know that is he a god that's you know him but he's kind of far away it's kind of distant you know when you have a need you come to him but in other times meh it's all right He's a God that I just come to see um, Friday nights and Sunday nights and listen to other people talk about him. Right? You may know him, 
just a little bit, you may know him as the Lord Al Shaddai, that he's just a powerful God that, that you know of. But do you know that he is a God that cares for you, that loves for you, that, that loves you, and these other aspects, right? And he's not that close to you. Do you know that? He's saying to you, you know, hello, let me introduce myself. I am the Lord Jehovah. May we get to know each other just a little bit more, right? Just like Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. Let me read it again. This is a prayer that Paul prayed for the, uh, for the church in Ephesus, right? This is a prayer that Paul prayed. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, he prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, right? right? Wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. Full knowledge of him. And uh, he is asking for a blessing for the church of Ephesus, right? He asked for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know God more fully, okay? And uh, not to only know one side of him, but to know all sides of him and more of him. And I, I truly hope that through this message that you can see more aspects of our God, right? That you can understand just a little bit more sides of him, all right? What he wants, what he wants to do and what he has planned out for us, all right? So um, let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this time. We truly thank you for uh, your words, and again, these words are not perfect. Uh, your words are so abundant, and uh, we know in the Bible it's filled with the words that you want to tell us, that you want to describe to us who you are. And I pray that through this message, this incomplete, imperfect message that you may speak to each one of our hearts, so that we can just get a little bit, a little bit more curious about you. And that we may come and be willing to follow you along and experience you and to know you just a little bit more. We, we pray in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, homework. <laughs> now I'll give, I'll give you homework, okay? Um, the next... Hold on, sorry. Little bit more time. I gotta pull up the um, the passage. All right. So ne the next passage is going to be in Mark, chapter five. Okay, Gospel of Mark, chapter five, verses twenty-one to forty-three. Mark, chapter five, verses twenty-one through forty-three. But here's the homework. I need you to read. Okay, please read from chapter one all the way through the end of chapter five. Okay, if you don't have time, at least read from chapter four. Okay, beginning of chapter four all the way to the end of chapter five, please. Okay, so please read chapter four. If you have time, please read one through five. 
if you don't have time, okay, read four and five, okay, chapters four and five, please. So yesterday we talked about we're focusing on the wrong thing, okay? Don't uh, focus on the wrong thing. Don't be mistaken. Let's focus on God. And today we talked about God, the Lord Jehovah. All right, hello, I'm Jehovah. Today in the evening, we're going to talk about hello. I am Jesus Christ. Okay, so um, hopefully this will bring a good, you know, wrap to um, to the retreat. So thank you. Thanks for your time.